one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good luck. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. <laughs> second captain, first captain, whatever. I say this at the beginning of the season, I say this from, from the start, I say that oh, Liverpool's going to win this year. And to be honest, none of the lads really believed us and put it down, I say this, oh, 100%, I don't have a doubt. Who was it who says all those things? Sounds like a big Geordie Liverpool fan. Jimmy Neal? No. Kenneth? Ooh. Jack Charlton, 1967. No, lads, it is, of course, the voice of Andy Carroll. Big Andy Carroll, he's one of the few that tipped Liverpool at the start of the season to win the title. <laughs> mm. And now it's, an, we did, and now it's in Andy's hands. Yeah, well, it's, it's all up to Andy yeah. come, uh, come Sunday afternoon. At no one plays it out wide to Downing. He cuts inside, puts a good ball up to the far post to big Andy Carroll. Andy Carroll puts West Ham 1-0 up versus City. That was the message from at Craig5LFC to at Andy T. Carroll last night. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to motivate Andy. And some Liverpool fans' interactions with Andy Carroll on Twitter last night were very, very funny. Here's some of my favourites. Ross wrote, at Andy T. Carroll, hey Andy. I'm really sorry for any abuse I gave you last year. <laughs> I really didn't mean it. You are a great guy. And your hair is lovely. <laughs> ben Jones said, At Andy T. Carroll, plenty of sleep and fruit between now and Sunday. Drinks on me if you do the business. XX. <laughs> and finally, Dale LFC also wrote to At Andy T. Carroll, Fancy doing us a favour on Sunday, Big Andy. I believe if you stayed, we would have won the league easy. Different style and tough games. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I, I, I can really see Andy Carroll taking all of that on its merits. I'm yeah. guessing Liverpool fans felt pretty differently about Andy Carroll prior to looking up the fixture list, Ken. Yeah, yeah. Look, all I would say is that Liverpool is a family, a big family. Mm. And it's it's a family that doesn't all live in the one house. Mm. There's extended families. But what if extended you what if you cast family. out one member of your family? Cast make out. a bit of a fool out of him and then cast him on the scrap heap of history no you know no. I mean that's family one, family that's one way to, I mean one way to look at it is you know Andy Carroll was perceived to be a, a kind of a big lump mm. who wouldn't we've be we've all able seen to, the divine of who, the horse who, who would disturb the, the delicate patterns of play between Suarez Sturridge and Sterling um, and then you've got Carroll he doesn't even sound really like he fits in but that's not to say that you know by being sold off to West Ham at a, at a knockdown price that he was being cast out of the family forever. No, just to say that, so you know, maybe like a, 
Imagine an Irish family um, back in the back in the day. He's been sent off to a seminary to train to become a, a priest. Um, you know, and and that doesn't mean that he can't still be of service to the family, just not within the f- the four walls of the family home. Yeah, that's perfectly clear. I think we all know exactly where we stand now. It's Mark Horgan in for Owen McDevitt today for Second Cabins at the Irish Times with Ken and Murph. Welcome to listeners back, lads. Hello, listeners. Welcome uh, back. <laughs> <laughs> US Murph and a chat about the NBA MVP Kevin Durant very shortly. And today we'll also discuss the position of women in sport and more specifically the coaching roles of women with men's teams. This after Portugal's Helena Costa yesterday became the first female head coach in a major men's European league when she was announced as the new manager of Clermont Foot in France. I opened the door today and more women will walk through on my back. That's what I hope, she said yesterday. And it hasn't been an easy road for Costa and we'll tell her pretty inspirational story a little later. It's bizarre that women in any sort of significant roles in management in most sports are still almost non-existent, isn't it? Yeah, it's uh, really... I mean, even in the the sports where women would be seen as pretty much on an equal footing with men, I mean, the amount of uh, female tennis players with men's coaches vastly outnumber the numbers that have female coaches. Now, Mm. obviously, there's, uh, say, Sonia Sullivan at the London 2012 Olympics. She was the the Irish team's chef to keep. Um, and you know that like you you do see quite a few athletic, female athletics coaches, but when it comes to football, I mean, Hope Powell was manager of the England women's football team for over a decade, and at one stage, I think it was two thousand and nine, she was linked to the Grimsby Town job before being overlooked for the caretaker boss or whatever, and her star has kind of fallen a bit since then. Other than that, what about over here in GAA? Are there many female coaches of of camogie uh, or lady yeah. scaly football teams? I mean, you know what we're talking about here is. You know, could a female uh, GA coach coach a, a men's team in hurling or, f- or Gaelic football? But you look at the female equivalent in those sports, camogie and ladies football. And it's really interesting to see just how few women managers there have been over mm. the last number of years of the of the successful teams. So it's odd that there would seem to even be a glass ceiling in those sports where the GA. You know, there's always you know administrators, chair chairpersons, secretaries, that sort of thing. Uh, yeah, at, even at, at club level in particular, women fulfil all those roles. But yeah, when it comes to management, it, it appears to be a, a totally different thing. Even though they have their the clubs that they would be chairperson or secretary of would have very active camogie or ladies football elements to it. It just it just seems very very strange to me. One former female coach that springs to mind. Do you remember Mercedes Taff, who was a boxing coach in Sligo? Yeah, she coached the Reynolds brothers, who were two kind of exceptional. Uh, heavyweights and light heavyweights I think at the start of the 2000s and she coached for Ireland she would have gone on, on competitive uh, events and internationals for Ireland but besides that yeah, I can't actually it's going to be very interesting to see we'll hear just uh, Helena's story a little later on but um, it's you know it's pretty obvious that she has all the coaching badges in the world and if you're we're moving into a situation now where say Andrea Villas-Boas can get big jobs all around Europe on the back of exceptional work you know with UEFA coaching badges and stuff like even though he hasn't played football at the highest level. Mm. So it is kind of a game changer in that it's not about it's it's not just about uh you know you're Brian Robson so therefore you're going to be a good manager. The the game is changing in that respect. We'll discuss that more later and we'll also have the return of Pierce Brosnan's Emigrant Shoutout. It's about bloody time as well, Murph. I'm so excited about this that our mm. best Emigrant Shoutout today will receive not only a Pibezo t-shirt but a Pibezo mug and the sacred Pibezo darts. I've made that call. <laughs> wow. Wow. I mean, this has raised the stakes massively. I mean, yeah. I may have to redraw the whole situation. I didn't know the stakes were this high. Okay, well, we yeah, we'll, we we can go with that. Now, I have to say, it's kind of an embarrassing thing that happens uh, amongst us, but we do have a propensity to wear our own T-shirts quite a lot. 
Uh, <laughs> I, I'm not going to say it's not in a boastful fashion. Yeah, uh, it's more free clothing. Free, yeah. free clothing. And yeah. I think McDevitt's the most guilty of doing this. Yeah, he he, he has a vast selection of t-shirts. We you can actually chart the various histories of our t-shirts, judging by how close it is to Owen McDevitt's laundry day, basically. <laughs> Uh, the eldest being closest to laundry day. I just, I just be conscious of the fact if you do happen to win one of these t-shirts and people see you wearing a, a t-shirt with Piers Brosnan's face on it and they don't know the show or haven't listened to Second mm. Captains, it's very, very difficult to explain why you're wearing a t-shirt with Piers <laughs> Brosnan's face. It's happened to me a few times. Yeah, it, I can imagine. It's not easy to explain Piers Brosnan's Evergreen shout-outs on the no. online radio show Second Captains. <laughs> it's not easy. Yeah, it, well, it just, I mean, all it takes is a little bit of patience I on behalf to, of the, the listener. And I was asked the same question question mark on New Zealand radio and uh, to explain what the what the purpose of it was I didn't do it very well um, I guess the person who I ended up comparing Pierce Brosnan to in New Zealand terms <laughs> is Lord um, a person who's doing great things for New Zealand in the real world um, and I guess Pierce Brosnan has a similar uh, function in the yeah sorry I was, was I, I kind of presumed that Mark would know is, is no, why are we in New Zealand or? radio no, okay, well, I was asking who Lord was. I mean, I presume New Zealand Radio are banging down Ken's door three times a week, but... You must know Lord. No. Well, you know the song, Royal. Royal, Royal. <laughs> no, I, I haven't heard it, Ken, I'm sorry. You, you, you're, you're actually kidding me. No. I did hear a very good song uh, a couple of weeks ago Jesus. that I think is going to be the breakout hit of the summer. I don't know if you've heard uh, uh, Get Lucky. Tom Petty. Get Lucky it? by uh, <laughs> Daft Punk. It's a really, really oh, top dear. class song. So okay. We'll just keep an ear out for that one. Fair enough. Why are we on New Zealand radio? Just having a bit of a chat about uh, issues of Irish identity, nationalism and so on. Okay, that's... Okay, fair enough. Good. I'll expect my fifth of... Uh, the royalties from that particular appearance to be in my in my inbox any day now. Right, let's get straight to US sports. Yes, we have to say it. Remember, this is just a football game. No matter who wins or loses. I am deeply sorry for my irresponsible and selfish behavior. We're being extremely truculent. Whatever truculent means, if that's good, I'm there. Strike three called, and the Giants have won the World Series in Detroit. Brian Murphy of KMBR joins us now. I'm delighted to say, hope you're well, Brian. We spoke quite a bit about Donald Sterling's story last week, and I'm sure it's still the biggest news in the US sport this week. But how did his team, the LA Clippers, manage the increased scrutiny in the NBA playoffs? Yeah, the Clippers, they advanced. They are now America's darlings, uh, incredibly. Uh, they're sort of perceived as this... Uh, you know, wronged team that is now playing for each other. And Doc Rivers, I must say, you know, a little bit of bitterness here from the San Francisco Bay Area because they eliminated the Golden State Warriors, our team, in seven very hard-fought games. It was a heck of a series. Actually, collateral damage. The Warriors actually fired their coach this week, Mark Jackson, which is a whole nother story. Yeah, uh, 50 even though he games won- this season, yeah. 51 <laughs> wins and gone. Has this happened before, actually? Lionel Holland to the Memphis Grizzlies last year. 50-plus wins in the Western Conference Finals, and they fired him. George Carl was named Coach of the Year last year. One of the top teams in the West, they fired him. So in the NBA, sometimes strange things happen. You know, owners get weird ideas and, and all that, and Mark Jackson and the, and the Warriors owner did not get along. And we are reminded who owns the team. The coach doesn't own them. The big money guy does, the ego guy. So that's what happened to Mark Jackson 
And obviously what happened to Donald Sterling, he is no longer the owner of that team. Sort of a rudderless team right now playing for each other and playing for Doc Rivers, who has emerged, I would say, well, Doc was already famous for being an NBA champion with the Boston Celtics, but he's emerged, I'd say his stock is even higher than ever before, the way he's handled the whole Sterling mess and winning in the series Game 7, although it was an awfully close Game 7 against the Warriors. In fact, the Warriors led with two minutes to play, so it could have gone the other way. But now Doc is onward, and they are taking on the Oklahoma City Thunder in what I think probably is the second most attractive matchup. The Brooklyn Nets and the Miami Heat is the one that's getting all the national attention because of the obvious star power anywhere LeBron goes is the spotlight. But when you throw them against New York's other team, not the Knicks, the Brooklyn Nets, and, of course, all their old veterans, the old Celtics, Pearson Garnett, Jason Kidd as coach, and the whole New York star power with Jay-Z as their owner and Beyonce courtside, that's definitely the uh, the brightest of lights. But the Clippers and Thunder uh, in that second series, to me, is the second most intriguing series. They greatly overshadow the other two series, the Indiana Pacers and Washington Wizards. Isn't exactly, I mean, it's compelling for its own reasons, but it doesn't compare. And the San Antonio Spurs and Portland Trailblazers, that's actually, you know, it's always fun to watch the Spurs play basketball because they're such clinicians and such uh, absolute tactical geniuses at the game, but Portland's also a fun team because they're kind of a team on the rise with a real star and Damian Lillard and LaMarcus Aldridge. So, yeah, it's a good second round, but the Clippers are still one of the biggest stories, if not the biggest. It is pretty bizarre that the Clippers are finally relevant on the court after years of being one of the worst teams in the NBA. This storm happens, but also they start winning, which in itself is is noteworthy. They have to contend now with the NBA's most valuable player, uh, for this next seven-game series, the Thunder's Kevin Durant. Uh, you're really telling me this guy's better than LeBron James? <laughs> yes, have him play one-on-one. That would be fun, wouldn't it? That would be a really fun matchup because they bring different styles. I mean, Durant, look at their bodies are so different. Um, you know, Durant is a much taller guy, much longer, leaner guy, and, and LeBron is, is, is just this physical, strong, really intensely... Um, uh, aggressive guy who can take it to the rack and also shoot the rim. He has a different game than Durant. Is Kevin Durant a better basketball player than LeBron James? I think most people would tell you no. LeBron James is is on his way to being next to Michael Jordan in the argument as the greatest of all time, especially if his career continues. If he wins another title this year, makes it three, which he very well might. But, you know, it's the age-old thing, Karen, about MVP. What is an MVP? What is a most valuable player? And it's, you do this in every sport, whether it's Major League Baseball or the NFL or hockey or basketball. And that is, what, ju- what do you judge a player by on most valuable player? Is he the most valuable to the team? Well, that's technically what it means, right, by definition. Is he the guy who had the best season of any player in the NBA? Well, that's, some people look at it that way. Is it simply the best player in the NBA? Well, some people look at it that way, and that's why LeBron James has been the obvious choice for the last couple of years. But this year, yes, I think they got it right. I don't think anybody feels differently. There was a stretch during the regular season. Remember, guys, this, this is a, a, an award that's strictly voted on for the regular season. It does not include the playoffs, so that's a very important distinction. And so in the regular season, he did things. He had a stretch of games where he scored at least 30 points I think he broke Michael Jordan's record for consecutive 30-point games. They lost Russell Westbrook for a good portion of the season, and they still finished with the second-best record in the West, and it was basically only because of Kevin Durant. So by, by a couple of those measures, one, who had the best year of anybody in the NBA? Kevin Durant did with that scoring output, incredible scoring output that he had. And two, 
who was the most valuable player in the NBA, certainly if you took Kevin Durant off the Thunder, there's no way in God's green earth they finished with the second-best record in the West and no way that they are the, the powerful team that they are right now. Whereas if you took LeBron off the Heat, Sure, all those things would be true, but they would still have Dwayne Wade, even as diminished as he is, and Chris Bosh and some other players. So Durant really was, I think, um, I don't think it comes with much controversy. I think it comes with almost unanimous accord that this was his year to win his first MVP. Yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't unanimous, as you say, but it was as close as it makes no difference. It was 119 votes and LeBron was, ne- was second with six votes. So it can't get much better than that. But, <laughs> I mean, it is kind of interesting, the point that you made there about the different body shapes because in many ways you know you're a prisoner of your body shape in a lot of sports I mean rugby most obviously maybe over here how big you are how tall you are how uh, muscular you are defines where you play on the on the pitch and in basketball it's to a lesser extent but still very much so and Durant is what he's done is basically totally revolutionised how you see the big guy on your team because he's able to pass as well as anyone else. He has the mobility of the much of much smaller players and also he has this unprecedented scoring ability. He's the top scorer in the NBA four times in the last five seasons or something. Yeah, he really is. Um, you're absolutely right. Revolutionary player in, in many ways in the sense that um, we just really haven't seen a big guy score like this. You know, he just... He just he's just a ridiculous scorer. I would say that he's maybe following the path blazed by Dirk Nowitzki a little bit. Dirk Nowitzki is another big, big guy who kind of took it out on the wing and scored like that. So it's not entirely unprecedented, but I think Durant has taken sort of the Nowitzki game to the next level. Um, he's, a, he's even better. He's an even better version. And some used to think of that as a sort of a European-style of game is the big man out on the wing, and our guys are supposed to be strictly uh, big men are supposed to be the big boys down low. Get down there and bang. Get down there and, and show that you can dunk it. You know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, you know, Moses Malone, uh, Bill Russell, all those guys. And Durant, it, what it does, and the reason why it's effective, is it's a matchup nightmare. And everything in basketball is about matchups. Everything in sports generally is about matchups, of course. But in basketball particularly, because it's such a one-on-one sport, so and you, what it means if, is that if, if, yeah. you, if you have a big guy, you stick him on the other team's big guy. Is that effectively it? And, right, exactly. Yeah. And most of them are very slow-footed. And, and so when Kevin Durant takes them out on the wing, these guys are defensively stripped. They're like, they, they can't really move. They can't really keep up with him because generally your, your shorter guys are your quicker guys, and they are the ones who defend on the wing, and your taller guys are your slower guys, and they're the ones closer to the basket. So what Durant does is he kind of turns that on his head. He's a really tall guy who goes out on the wing and says, fine, I can move around better than most big guys. Therefore, I'm going to be able to create mismatches. You put a big guy on me, I'll run him ragged out on the three-point line. And if you put a little guy on me, I'll just shoot over him all day. So he's basically, I don't want to say he's unstoppable. Uh, He's a human being, and LeBron is a guy who's also thought of as unstoppable because he can both shoot from the outside and take it to the rack better than Kevin Durant. But Durant is a matchup nightmare, and that's why he's been such a sensational player and, and such a sort of a standout. We've never really seen a player like him, and so uh, that's why he, he kind of has had the career he's had ever since the day he stepped in. You know, it's really been amazing to watch him perform. And uh, congrats to him. You know, he gave, I don't know if you guys saw this, and I was like turning you guys on to little uh, links or things like that. And, um, and I we think you guys. The, we love the Bomani yeah. Jones last week. Yeah, how about that? Yeah, that was yeah. pretty darn good. Well, this one is uh, less sociologically uh, uh, important and more emotional. Get out your handkerchief and your Kleenex, 
because Durant gave what has been now reviewed in America as one of the greatest uh, acceptance speeches in sports history. Not quite Lou Gehrig. Today I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of this earth, but not far behind. He really just delivered a beautiful, eloquent speech, paying tribute first to all his teammates, uh, one by one, which actually took a little bit of time, but then really uh, delivered the ha- emotional hammer by paying tribute to his mom in the final two minutes of the speech, and his mom's in the front row. And you she's guys love bawling. that stuff. Oh, come on. So do you. That's the scary <laughs> thing, Kieran. Way deep down, you're beneath that hardened cynicism it mm. lies a big old softy waiting to come out, right? Okay, but he just... Me. He absolutely delivers the goods because it's not just because he preys on emotion, but because of his verb, the, the actual um, the speech he makes. It's very, um, it's hard. To, it's very detailed. Like he tells specific anecdotes about growing up with a single mom who had two kids by the age of 21 and moving from apartment to apartment and thinking they had it made uh, just when they simply had their first ever apartment and the things his mom did for him. And he really, really, he really knocks it out of the park when it comes to what every parent wants to hear. Now, I don't know about in Ireland, but U.S. Mother's Day is this Sunday. And as people have said, his mother can ask for no better gift than his speech. You should go to, I think it's on NBA.com, or you can just probably Google Kevin Durant MVP NBA, NBA MVP acceptance speech. And don't say I didn't warn you. Does this award actually heap pressure on him, Brian? If you're the league's best players, the pressure then on you to start winning titles with your team. Yeah, no question. Of course, that's the, uh, that's the double-edged sword. In fact, I already saw somebody on Twitter, some basketball writer saying, I can see people already using Durant's speech against him if they come up short by saying he's too soft and not as much of a killer because of his beautiful tribute to his mom, right? Well, look at, let's look at the last several MVPs in the NBA. It doesn't guarantee that you're going to win a title. Steve Nash won two in a row with the Phoenix Suns. Never even made a conference final. Dirk Nowitzki won it in 07. He didn't become a champ until five years after that. And then LeBron won a couple without winning a title with the Cavaliers. So it hasn't always been directly linked to winning a title. In fact, just by looking at those examples alone, Derrick Rose, the Chicago Bulls, didn't win a title. He won it in 11. LeBron won it in 12, and he didn't win the MVP. Uh, he didn't win the title. So actually, kind of ironically, a lot of the MVPs haven't won titles, which is kind of unusual. In fact, the only ones that have in the last several years – our LeBron last year, and you got to go back to uh, Tim Duncan with the Spurs back in 02-03. So, you know, yeah, is there pressure on him? Yeah, he has not delivered yet. He's still a relatively young player. And one thing we've learned about the NBA is you know, Durant's only 25 years old. I say relatively young. He's extremely young. And, uh, I, you know, I, I don't have the exact age of Michael Jordan when he won his first title, but I think he was older than 25. One of the things about the NBA that has been proven true over the years is it just seems to be a sport or a, or a team, a championship that has to be earned. That not many te- – it's, it's like a path, and, you know, and it's like you can't just kind of arrive in the league and start winning championships. Bird and Magic sort of are the exceptions, but you look at LeBron, how long it took him to get to a championship. If you look at Dirk Nowitzki, how long it took him to get to a championship. It took Kobe Bryant a few years, too. You've got to have sort of that team that comes together and gets stronger. And Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook have been viewed as this one-two punch in Oklahoma City that has you know, been sort of knocking on the door. And they have made an NBA Finals before, but they didn't win. And now 
the pressure's on. Well, guess what? In the first round, they had their hands absolutely full with the Memphis Grizzlies. They had to go seven games with the Grizzlies, and an argument can be made that really the only reason they were able to escape is because Memphis's best player, Zach Randolph, got suspended for Game 7 for punching a player in Game 6. So they caught a huge break, and they're already off to a rough start with the Clippers. So uh, we'll see how they, you know, how they bounce back, how Durant handles it. But, yeah, of course, now he has the MVP, and when you want to get into the quote-unquote pantheon, you have to combine an MVP with an NBA championship at some point. Brian, before you go, one of the most interesting things I saw about Durant was that he's represented by Jay-Z. Is this sports agency business of Jay-Z's, the Rock Nation group, is that actually an ongoing concern of his, or is it more of a vanity project? Well, it's all new. This is all kind of in the last year or two. Um, I'm not quite sure what to make of it. I mean, the guy's obviously one of these, you know, I, I'm not a, I, have, I have to admit, I'm not a massive uh, Jay-Z head, as it were. You know, I mean, he, you know me. You guys get me on the air. I'm an older guy. When Bruce Springsteen, uh, Tom Petty. <laughs> well, I know what you're talking you know, about, Brian. <laughs> there's that. But, but there was a time. There was a time, Karen, that I embraced the budding movement that was hip-hop and rap in the 80s, mm. okay? I'm an 80s guy. Della I go Soul. back to Grandmaster Flash and the Furious yeah. Five. Man, those were my guys. I go back to, you know, Ice Cube and, and N.W.A. Those were the guys, Public Enemy, that I kind of... Those were my reference points in rap all the way up through about Tupac and Biggie, and that's where I started to lose touch because I was just getting too old. <laughs> and, uh, and that's when Jay-Z burst on the scene. So to me, he's just some whippersnapper. You know, he's not, he's not Grandmaster Flash back in the early 80s. Come on. He's not Sugar Hill Gang Rapper's Delight. Come on. <laughs> so, uh, so he's, you know, my impression of him is that he's obviously an incredibly ambitious guy who loves money and loves power. Uh, like so many of us, he likes it to a bigger degree than you or I, I would imagine, because he just wants to be in that mix. So he only founded this thing just last year, but they call it. Rock Nation, R-O-C, Rock Nation. So to me, I'm sort of confused, or I'm sort of figuring it out right now as to whether or not this is his passion. Is he, I mean, is he going to be in this thing 10, 15, 20 years from now? Is he going to become, you know, the biggest power broker in sports? Or is this just a, like you mentioned, a vanity project where he kind of falls by the wayside? I mean, Robinson Cano, the baseball player, was his big, big guy. To, uh, to It was his big experiment. He got him a 10-year deal in Seattle for huge money, huge money. But, yeah, uh, Durant, you know, uh, who else has he got? Uh, Geno Smith of the, uh, of the Jets. I mean, it's very new right now. But Cano and Durant are his two guys. But I don't know. I mean, he's the owner of the Nets. He's representing Durant. <laughs> he's got his fingers in a lot of... In a lot of pies. I'd say let's check back in a few years and see the state of Rock Nation Sports Agency. See how it's going. Brian, your skepticism is barely concealed there, but brilliant to talk to you as always. Thanks for taking the time. You guys are the best. Take care. Talk next week. I knew the place. Clough, that he calls me Rabbi, didn't know me. He said to me, what can you do that the boss hasn't done? You, the boss. And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. But there's no way to win it better. Why not? Only, no, 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 no. But that's the only hope I've got. We've only, only lost four matches. Then, but that, well, that I can only lose three. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good luck. Clough, that he calls me Ravi. Good luck. Now, that might, that might be, you know, aiming for utopia, and it might, be, might mean being a little bit stupid. But that is the way I am. I'm a little bit stupid regarding this type of thing. I'm a little bit of an idealist. But having said that, I want to be like me. 
I want to book a holiday. I want the flights, the hotel, some flattering new bikinis, a big silly hat, and nice dinners in local restaurants with cute waiters. And I want... No, I have to be beach ready. So I need to be a regular saver. KBC understands spending is easy, but saving is hard. That's why we have a range of savings options with tempting rates that make savings simple. So you can save when you want and spend when you want. Visit kbc.ie, call 1-800-51-5253 or pop into any KBC hub in Dublin, Cork, Limerick and Galway. KBC, the bank of you. Terms and conditions apply. KBC Bank Ireland PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Brian, clearly not a fan of Jay-Z there, Murph. No. I was actually just thinking... He's, he's much more of a tiny temper man anyway, isn't he? <laughs> I think, you know, it's just more of a generational thing. How many Red Hot Chili Peppers CDs would you say, Brian? <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I'd, say, I'd, say, yeah, I'd say he has won the best of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> he has the one that Under the Bridge is on. Uh, but he, he didn't uh, by the time, magic, yeah. That's yeah. the one. Uh, but I don't think he has Californication. I think even by the time, I'm, th- I'm going to say 1999, Californication came out. I'd yeah. say at that stage, Brian just, had just said, listen, I have all the music I need now. I see happening quite a bit with men in their sort of early 30s. Now Brian spoke passionately there about Kevin Durant's MVP accepted speech and through the magic of the internet, Murph, yes. will we hear a clip of it now? Why not? And, and last, my mom. I don't think you know what you did. You had my brother when you were 18 years old. The odds were stacked against us. Single parent with two boys by the time you were 21 years old. Everybody told us we weren't supposed to be here. We moved from apartment to apartment by ourselves. One of the best memories I had is when we moved into our, our first apartment. No, no bed, no furniture, and we just all sat in, in the living room and just hugged each other. Because we, that's what we, we thought we made it. And when, you, when something good happens to you, I don't know about you guys, but I tend to look back to what brought me here. You wake me up in the middle of the night in the summer times, making me run up a hill, making me do push-ups, screaming at me from the sideline of my games at eight or nine years old. We wasn't supposed to be here. You made us believe. You kept us off the street. You put clothes on our backs, food on the table. When you didn't eat, you made sure we ate. You went to sleep hungry. You sacrificed for us. You're the real MVP. Something right on us. No, no, listen, I was being painted unnecessarily there by uh, US Murph as a cynic. And that, that is beautiful, right up until the last line there, yeah, I where he to totally lost yeah. me there. You're the MVP of my heart. He was too bloody American there at the end. He was, he, he just, Although he the was. image in the apartment with, with himself, his, his uh, brother and his mum was pretty incredible. Yeah, I mean, no, that was, that was great, right up until the, the last second there, when he, when he kind of lost me. Right, it's the time of the show where thousands of immigrant listeners gather around their internet and think of Rogers and Derek Davies <laughs> and all the things that make this country great. It's time for Pierce Brosnan's Immigrant Shoutouts. That's right, you're a real Irishman. You get the potato yeah. I left in your dressing room there? You got the potatoes and the puccine. Huh? And the puccine. Oh, yeah, there you are. Born and bred, yeah, in uh, County Meath, a place called Navin. Yeah, thank you for that. Um, 
it seems like it's been an awful long time since we had our, our last Pierce Brosnan yes. Evergreen shout out. And I'd forgotten how much of an idiot Jay Leno sounds like in our intro there. So uh, that's nice to be reminded of that. So we aim to redress the balance today with news from Holland, Edinburgh and Australia with the man responsible for the greatest pibezo of all time, apparently. That's his words, not mine. But we begin with an email here from Niall Carville. Lads, five years ago I left our green and pleasant land to study abroad in Edinburgh. Wild geese, brain drain, etc, etc. Now, this is the culmination of my work, handed in two weeks ago. And uh, Niall has attached a photo of a thesis with the P. Bezel posted on the front, which is nice, yeah. and which I also hope he removed prior to handing in the thesis. So if any of you lads... I thought for a split second it was going to be a thesis on P. Bezel then. No. Uh, no, he continues... <laughs> So if any of you lads or Pierce want 17,000 very dull words on FRP, that's Fibre Reinforced Polymers, for those of you not in the know, just drop me a line. Love any, the show. Monaghan for Sam. Any thoughts on Fibre Reinforced Polymers there, Ken? No. No, I, I don't think so either. So one Pierce Brosnan P. Bezel t-shirt in exchange for all 17,000 of those words seems like a sweet deal. But, I mean, obviously you, he could just keep the thesis. It's fine. We'll send him the t-shirt. His thesis sounds boring. <laughs> Our next email is from Owen McCall in Holland. Uh, hi, lads. In a bit of a change from the norm, this is not a pibazo for myself, but for a Dutch friend of mine, Mirel Dennison. Of course, I found this name far too complicated, and I instead christened her Murph. She's a big fan of Galway GA, which as a proud Nordy, hurt me, but she is also an avid follower of the qualifier system, something I explained to her at great length. In order for her to stay up to date with our national game, I recommend that she listens to your show. Here's a tweet she sent to you, Murph professing her undying love for you. Howie Murph, come to Holland sometime. I love you. I belong to Kiro Murphy. Hashtag Han the West. Hashtag Murphette. Yours, Owen McCall. Now, uh, your undying so dedication... So that, that tweet was from a lady called Murph. M- yeah, Mirel, otherwise known as Murph. So her undying dedication to me is extremely flattering, of course. But there is nothing on this planet I despise more than the use of the phrase Han the whatever. Yeah. So, unfortunately, I don't think this is going to work out. Well, if she had added... Hashtag banter there Would have made it worse Yeah Actually yeah Maybe uh, Also not sure how many Dutch girls Actually know the word How yeah So I'm, I'm afraid I'm just going to have to Call this whole thing a farce And you're not getting A t-shirt on I'm sorry And Owen Corrigan Has been in touch This is one of the two guys Who won a competition To become Sydney FC mascots Sky and Blue For a day Our photograph was or Their photograph was up On our Irish Times page For quite a while uh, Earlier this year And spent that day Getting drunk And holding up P. Bezos signs In front of an Almost one third full Sydney football stadium Second captainers uh, is there any chance you'd send me out a hashtag Pibezo t-shirt? It's hardly my fault that the greatest uh, Pibezo of all time occurred before the era of Pibezo t-shirts. How are random passers-by on the streets of Sydney supposed to know that I once stared, okay, featured, on one of Ireland's top five Pierce Brosnan-endorsed emigrant shout-out segments? And for throwing me one over, you can stick another t-shirt in the envelope for Kiron if you like, that's his uh, mate from the mascot days. Or don't, I don't really care if he gets one or not. Thanks in advance, Owen. So I think, in fairness, it was a pretty good effort. He did walk around an entire pitch dressed in a hilarious costume wearing a, uh, with a P-Bezzle sign so I heck, think he gets a t-shirt those two lads one of them can get the t-shirt one of them can get the dart flights and the darts but they're not getting the mug because postage is too expensive to get over to Australia so would we're you, not going to send that would you believe I actually checked out the postage for these P-Bezzle t-shirts they're skinning us alive here it's <laughs> unbelievable so until we get some more money in our account that's the end of the Pierce Brosnan and we're going to shout out any sightings of McDevitt on holidays uh, no I can only presume He's on a beach somewhere wearing some hideously coloured shorts. <laughs> That's, I mean, I, I don't even, we don't even ask where he goes anymore. I thought he was gone to um, sort of Tuscany. Yeah. Like Tony Blair used to do. 
it's Italy somewhere. I mean, I don't know. We, we don't ask too many questions. Who knows what that man gets well, up on his time off? We both, Probably watching a lot of sport. We if, both know he's does. watching sport in Wacker McSorley's. <laughs> <laughs> Over the next weekend. Oh, if there's a filthy McNasty's in uh, Tusca, you can be sure McDevitt's going to be there. Email secondcabins at irishtimes.com if you've deserted the country and fancy getting a mention. We don't need photos all the time, just your stories, but snaps of Pibazo signs in exotic locations will be looked upon favourably. Pibazo signs held by celebrities, the crapper the better, will guarantee those darts made of tin. Can't say fairer than that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we've we've laid it out for you there. So emails great, photos also great. Celebrities in photographs, a one optimum. Kenny, tell us all the good stuff contained in today's second captain's football. That's yeah. <laughs> they have asked for that, really. Well, you can laugh. I'm the World Cup. I'm a little bit of an idealist, but having said that, I want to be like me. What are you talking about? What have you known? I'd like to stay alive for six days. I'd say it to your face, not say it to you now. I'll go down to Anfield and we'll see them. What are you doing down here, you showing me, man? Well, there is um, a little bit of talk about Manchester City and how what a wonderful league title win it's been for them uh, (laughs) with uh, Jonathan Wilson. who else is going to talk to us about why everybody seems to hate England, the captain of England's national team so much? Uh, every stadium pretty much of the Premier League resounding to the chant about Stephen Gerrard mm. slipping, giving, giving the ball to Demba Ba and, and losing. So I've never seen such uh, popularity. I also noticed him. after the game on Monday night, along with hashtag bottlers, immediately a uh, photograph of Stephen Gerrard and a tweet saying, retweet if you've won as many titles as Stephen Gerrard mm. had about Three million retweets. Mm. It is kind of weird. I mean, the, the, England is going to go crazy for the World Cup now, and people will obviously say, you know, it, the Manchester United means more to Manchester than England does. Uh, you know, that li- people living in Liverpool would much prefer Liverpool won the league than England win the World Cup. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, they do go totally mental for the World Cup, and that they could that these two things could exist side by side. That Steven Gerrard could be the captain of the team that they will be supporting massively over the next two months or so and yet could also be where Gerard could also be ridiculed at whatever it was four or five grounds in the last five days yeah. uh, it just it's bizarre it the, really the ridicule did strike me as a little bit you know I mean I can see what it's based on but what I don't I don't quite understand why he seems to inspire such you know I thought it'd be the opposite with him like he's a seems like a particularly nice guy Mm, evidently not everybody uh, thinks that, you know, so a lot of people delighting in as well. But just, you know, obviously this is the worst experience of his football career. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Could he not be left alone in his misery without everybody? Apparently not. Second Cabs football is available now. Did you talk Giggsy? Talked a little bit of Giggsy, not too much. I really hope so, Ken, because you know what? I really enjoyed your exchange with our man Richie Sadler a few weeks back about Giggsy. Ryan Giggs is 40. When is Ryan Giggs going to stop trying to pretend he's a football player and grow up? I think it's the most ridiculous thing. 40 years old and he's pretending he's still a football player. Forget it, Giggs. That's quite strong. (laughs) That's quite strong. (laughs) Richie's such a nice guy there, isn't he? That's quite strong. I couldn't disagree with you any uh, more, Ken, but this is as, as... Harsh as I'm going to be on you. So yeah, has he finally grown up, do you think? A couple of people complained to me about that, actually. Yeah. Said I was showing disrespect to Ryan Giggs. Has he grown up? Well, uh, didn't he do the speech in his in his um, football kit? I haven't seen yeah. that before. But I mean, maybe that's just... I haven't, have I seen a football player do that before? Did Keane do it? I just I don't know. 
can't remember. Uh, has he grown up? Look, um, yeah, I suppose he's going to be learning at the uh, at at, uh, at the knee of Louis van Gaal uh, quite soon. He could be the the trusted and loyal assistant of of Louis van Gaal starting pretty soon. Right, as you mentioned at the top of the show, Helena Costa of Portugal made history yesterday when she became the first female head coach in a major men's European league when she became the manager of Clermont Foot in the French uh, second division. She's been a former Celtic scout, worked in an underage capacity with some high-profile men's teams and was the head coach of the Qatar and Iran's women's sides. She's had unprecedented success as well wherever she's gone and this has led to yesterday's announcement that the news was welcomed by Najat Belkassim, France's women's minister, who said on Twitter, bravo Clermont Foot for understanding that giving a place to women is the future of professional football and as I said at the top of the show Costa herself was quoted I opened a door today and more women will walk through on my back that's what I hope uh, Sergio Krishinas of the sports paper Record in Lisbon joins us now Sergio tell us the background story of Helena Costa how she came to take this job uh, well uh, she from what I know she, she didn't have any references like in the family um, I was told that even her father didn't watch football on TV and so it was basically something that she did by herself when, when she was a little girl um, then she took a degree in football in university. She took all the degrees in, in Portuguese football coaching system. Um, and last year she got the UEFA Pro uh, Level 4, which is the highest um, degree. And actually, from although the, the, the marks weren't, weren't made public yet, uh, I was told that she got the best mark ever in, in the history of Portuguese football, which was around 19 in a 1 to 20 scale. So I guess she she really knows about football, no? I presume a big step for her and a big step in football generally in Portugal is to get the role of the under-17 males coach because it's Benfica apparently have a brilliant underage system as a, in general and she's also really successful in that job. She won two world youth titles. Yeah, yeah. She was working uh, for a long time with, with Benfica and the, the under-17 as well. And... Um, it's not the kind of thing that that uh, not the kind of job that she was given because she was a woman. I mean, I, I can admit that right now um, for a professional club, uh, it's quite um, has a really big impact in the world to have a woman as a um, as a manager. Uh, but for an under-17 club, and Benfica did not make it uh, public, it didn't um, make publicity out of that. So it was, of course, because of her, of her merits. And you have to see that this is a club that has invested a lot of money in the last, I would say, 10 years. They have invested a lot of money in their academies. So uh, they want all the best coaches over there. And I think they, they signed Elena because she was one of the best as well. Is a woman making such a progressive step in a traditionally male environment a more regular occurrence in Portugal uh, than other countries, do you think? Do you have progressive attitudes to women in coaching and sport in general? Um, no, no, not at all. Actually, if, well, the, the differences over here in Portugal are quite big, bigger than in Northern Europe. Right. Um, the, the salaries of women in the same jobs, the same roles, is, are, are an average lower than, than men's salaries. And it's still, um, well, this is a, a Catholic tradition country. The, a lot will see the, the woman's the woman role as, as being in the kitchen, you know, which is something that is changing. But uh, it's quite a surprise that this step was given by a Portuguese woman. Um, if you ask me like one year ago, I would say probably it will be a Swedish woman or a Swedish manager or, um, I don't know, even English manager, but not Portuguese. I, I don't think it's a surprise. A bias against women in, in general will be quite prevalent or quite common in Portugal. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's that's um, that's quite common. I'm I'm not saying that this is um, this is not the majority of the people think, but uh, there's a big 
big uh, chunk of the population still, of especially the men, and even some, some women think that the, the roles should be different and women are not men, you know, they should be allowed to do some things that men do. It's quite biased still. Talk to us a little bit more about Helena. How does she come across in interviews? Is she impressive? Yeah, she she uh, the the interviews I heard about uh, with her in the, in the radio stations and everything. I I saw her as a very expressive and relaxed person. Um, and of course, she knows a lot about football. Uh, I don't know if you are aware of this over there, but she made she made the um, training ships with uh, Jose Mourinho in Chelsea in two thousand and five. Yeah, and now she's nicknamed as the Mourinho in skirts, which is really really funny for for us. To see it, to imagine Jose in skirts, but well, she's Elena Costa, not not Jose himself. Yeah. <laughs> Has she discussed any issues she's had to overcome uh, being a woman in such a traditionally macho environment? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I remember there was some controversy when when she was um, doing the um, degree for coaches because of the rules. Um, she said that it didn't make sense that uh, uh, because back back then, like. Um, if you were a football player, a professional football player in Portugal, you would have you would have already the um, level two, and you can start with a level three. And she, she was she was in a fight in a legal war with the, the Portuguese Federation because uh, she thought it was unfair for her because she she wasn't a, she couldn't be a professional football player in Portugal because she wasn't she wasn't um, there was there is no female professional competition over here. And she inclusively gave uh, started the war in the courts in the, uh, to to change that in, in Portuguese football. And I think that things are not solved yet. But uh, she was fighting that um, that differences that uh, they, they were in the, in the um, access to the, the job. Yes, really becoming clear the strength of character that she must have. You get the impression that perhaps she's had to have been quite a bit better than some of her male contemporaries, perhaps to succeed how she has. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, uh, it, it's um, I, I, uh, if you see the list of, of all the um, of all the, the um, students that took the, the degrees in Portugal, you see that well, normally each year you have uh, forty or one hundred. I don't know. Mm-hmm. You have some dozens of, of, of managers who do the degrees in every, every level, and you see that all of them are are um, they are above ten, and so they are qualified for the job. All of them. You don't have guys who are under ten. Just that. Uh, but nobody gets marks over 16, 17. But no, she had 19. That proves that she was really good uh, at the degree. Is Helena now something of a star over in Portugal? How big is her profile over there now? Yeah, yeah. Like uh, she got she got front page in every newspaper in Portugal. Um, not the biggest story in the front page, but a uh, uh, small story in each front page of, of the papers. Everybody is talking about this. I mean, this is not. Uh, if it was, if it was um, um, a Swedish uh, female female coach, she would get uh, probably front page in the papers as well. So, I don't think this. The fact that she's she's Portuguese is, uh, as I told you, is it's a um, it's a surprise for us. It's not the kind of thing you you would expect from uh, from Portugal. I think. Okay, Sergio. Thanks for your time. No problem. Okay, Murph. I think you get a sense from that. This sort of idiotic views women are who are looking to break through into major roles in sport have to put up with yeah um and it's yeah it, it is just a little disconcerting to be honest um and the hope would be that this isn't it this isn't the test case for, test case for the entire gender <laughs> you know that if 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 helena for whatever reason i mean you see managers not succeeding in the way that they want to wanted to succeed every week of the year the idea would be that right 
this isn't okay well we'll wait another 30 years to appoint a, a female head coach mm. um, because it is it does appear to be blatantly obvious that you know ability to play football at the very hi- men's football at the very highest level has little or nothing to do with whether you're going to be a good manager or not yeah, it's something that hopefully we'll see much more of and that Helena Costa is a big success. I think many of these positions are initially seen as a big deal and, and a big step and it takes someone exceptionally talented and strong will to break down the initial barrier and to change the, the biased attitudes of a lot of men. But there's, there's what we know from this story is that there's no identifiable system in place for the devel- development of, of women per se or, or women in Portugal or, or in football either here or on the continent. It's just basically that this is a particularly strong-willed woman who's exceptionally talented, has had to perform at a much higher level than maybe... Her male, ca- her male counterparts. Exactly, you know, and I think that in a situation like that, it's, it's not, it's not always like gradual evolution. Sometimes you just need someone exceptionally talented to move it along, you know, in a huge, in one huge burst, and then that's how things like this can develop. So I think that hopefully this will be the this the, that that will be the case with this. Ken, would the most difficult of fans in the Premier League? How do you think they'd react to a, a female manager? Premier League is a long way from the French second division. I mean. The, you know, maybe the thing to look at would be the women's coaches in the in the women's Premier League, of which there aren't very many. Um, you know, why is it the you know why why is it the case that it's mostly male managers even in the women's game? Um, you know, it would seem to me that would be a more logical place uh, for women to start coaching. But um, I suppose the history of the last you know 150 years is the history of people saying women can't do this, women can't do that, and whatever it is, after a while, it turns out, well, women can't do that. So, um, yeah, the I don't Claremont really see why football management, which appears to be the, one of the last sort of bastions of, well, women can't possibly do this, um, shouldn't ultimately prove to be any different. Well, of course, there's absolutely no reason why. The Claremont foot defender, Anthony Lipini, he was quoted as saying, I was talking with my physiotherapist about the time when the first woman entered the army, a very macho environment. At first, there was a lot of shock, but now women in the army has become normal. This will uh, be the same in football. Uh, he said to Le Keep. One good season she's managing against Zlatan Ibrahimovic next next year. You know, I mean it's it's yeah. you know, it, it it may not sound that glamorous, but it is you know, she's twelve months away from being in the fourth biggest league in, in Europe, which is in itself pretty pretty impressive. It's almost time to go. Thanks so much for listening as always. Thanks very much, lads. Thank you, Mark, and thank you, Ken. Thank you, Ken. Thank you, Mark. You can get us on our page, irishtimes.com forward slash second captains on iTunes, the Stitcher app, and if you're on Android, try the IPP app. Email us at secondcaptains at irishtimes.com and if you want to tweet the show, it's at second captains. Before we go, um, you, you heard the reaction to Alan Shatter's resignation from his beloved party colleague and future Taoiseach, Kenneth Egan, right? No. no. Did you hear Ken? No, no, not yet, no. A tweeter got in contact uh, with him looking for reaction. Len said, Are you disappointed, Kenneth, to lose such an esteemed colleague as Alan Shatter? To which Ken's replied, Losing Jason Quigley to the pros hurt me more. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. How about Kenneth? How about Kenneth? All right, goodbye, folks. Thanks for listening. It's the second time it's gone off. Never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. 
And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.